You're listening to Double Exposure with Sophia Lemon and Petro, a photography podcast on both the creative aspects and business side of photography. Join the conversation on Facebook at Double Exposure Show Group. And here's Petro and Sophia. And we're back again, episode 31 with Sophia Lemon and Petro on the Double Exposure Show. You can find show notes for this episode on doubleexposure.show slash episode slash 31. And we want you to join our conversation and be part of our community on Facebook at the Double Exposure Show. Hi, everybody. I don't know why I wanted to do that. (laughs) Um, I'll be honest, actually, I hate when people say hello on podcasts. Why? Yeah, I want to do it every time. I don't know. I find it really funny. So, <laughs> okay. Um, but here we are saying hello to everyone. Mm-hmm. So hello, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're back again. We're back at it. And today we're going to field some questions from different people. Yeah. I think that's what we're doing. Yeah. As yeah. we discussed last week, um, mm-hmm. I joined Petro's class, Portrait and Wedding Photography. Yes. Um, over Skype. That, I believe that was their last class. <laughs> it was. was it? <laughs> so, um, yes. They are now out of class. Congratulations on completing first year, students. Um, so they asked some questions and we answered them. We're going to pop in their question audio as much as possible, but we're going to re-answer the questions for everyone else now. Um, I think it's pretty neat, actually, um, because... I am starting um, like a mastermind with a couple of my friends, which is like, you know, Mm. where you get together and talk business stuff, ask questions, get real assistance. So they're going to be looking really deeply into my business. It's going to be terrifying and it's probably going to suck a bit, but ultimately it's going to be really awesome. I'm super excited to get started. Agreed. Yeah. This is pretty similar, but like, you know, way at the beginning. Right. Got it. Cool. (laughs) Can you elaborate more? On which part? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're we're getting started next week, which when Uh this is published would be yesterday. Um, (laughs) Okay. And they're like taking a very, very close look. At what I'm doing in my business and where I can like better focus my attention, what I can mm-hmm. stop doing because it's not making me any money and, you know, stuff like that. So it's going to be Absolutely. Fun. Yeah. And, and sometimes the goal isn't necessarily, you know, return on investment or profit, but like literally uh, maybe you're preventing yourself from making money elsewhere, right? Yeah. Right. You know, which is like my problem now. Right. So I, I yeah. know what I know and I know what works for me. And uh, now I've, I'm in a position of being stubborn and doing the same things over and over again. So this is going to shake things up. It's funny. I, I think a lot of people think they're open minded, but they really aren't. Um, and uh, whenever I talk to p- people starting businesses or who have new businesses, um, you know, <laughs> Hi Tank. <laughs> yeah, I know it's rough. Pure leaders this year. <laughs> I, I gotta record this because he's literally on the other side of the window. Yeah, and uh, like inches away from Tank, <laughs> and, and he's gotta he's gotta tell him that hey, what are you taking? What do you do? Why are you taking my boxes away? <laughs> 
So I uh, totally didn't time this properly. Uh, it's 12.30 in the afternoon right now. He doesn't usually come here until 2 p.m., sometimes 3. Um, so I thought we were safe. And so I have my uh, shipments uh, that are going out outside uh, for him to pick up. And, uh, you know, Tank's letting me know that he's here. So sorry about that. That's, well, that's, that's nice always fun. Yeah, he's he's a great guard dog. The funny thing is he's not really barking because he's playing the role of a guard dog. He's barking because he wants pets and love from the Pure Laters guy. Mm-hmm. And so I believe on that, that. note, <laughs> on that note, um, what I was trying to say is about people having an open mind uh, when they're starting a business and especially people who have already been in business for some time, who have run... Um, another small business or worked for somebody uh, doing something, doing something a certain way, whatnot. So in this case, um, I, one one thing that I told myself is that I'm always going to be relevant. And the reason for this is because I'm not going to say who it was or or what it was, but when I was a student um, in photography at the college that I went to, uh, some of my instructors were using uh, slides and notes that were basically recycled from the 80s. And I was in college, you know, 20 years later. And I just thought, like, I know the rules haven't changed in 20 years, but for Christ's sake, update your stuff. You know, you're showing me sample work from a long time ago. And yeah. that inspired me to actually try a little harder when it comes to business, when it comes to my own um brand image just to make sure that I'm not stale in any way and being open-minded. So, uh, for example, in the web class for the second years, uh, this year we introduced uh, Snapchat because there's a lot of powerful things uh, you can do with social media uh, with Snapchat. And a lot of the older people are kind of like, well, I don't really care for this. I hate Snapchat. And I'm saying, but your target audience, people you're marketing to, they're on Snapchat. So even if you can get a couple of clients from posting a story once a week, that will help, you know, <laughs> like um, yeah. there's there's definite benefits uh, for that. And and I got to admit, ha- having an open mind to things like that is, is, is definitely key. It's yeah. very important. So, but. All right. Yeah. Should we get started? Let's do it. So the first question that we got was about like what were our biggest fears and struggles when uh, when we started? I'll let you take this one. <laughs> um, so I think that, well, I think actually what the question was was what it was your biggest struggle when you got started. And I said, my biggest struggle was fear. Mm -hmm. And then after fear is confidence. So you start your business and you're afraid that it's not going to work. And that keeps you in a bubble that doesn't allow you to grow. So for example, Mm -hmm. you have a full-time job and you invest 40 hours in that job and you don't have the time that you need to invest in building a photography business. You leave the full-time job And then you deal with the confidence aspect. So now you're afraid you're not going to bring in enough money. Mm -hmm. Um, So you keep, you know, dropping your prices, dropping your prices so that you have clients coming in. But then you're wasting your time catering to these less expensive clients when you could instead be focusing on bringing in better clients. Absolutely. So so it's that that fear of uh, commitment 
right? Committing yourself to yeah. your business. Uh, and I think I think what it comes down to is fear of failure because that that definitely was one of my struggles. I was um, um, I was afraid of I was afraid to fail. And yep. um, really, for me, I got really lucky. I started my first business while, when I finished high school. Uh, so I didn't even go to college yet or anything. I just, a um, friend of mine uh, had graduated from a graphic design program. Um, and we opened a graphic design studio. And we made a ton of mistakes. So we, you know, the first mistake I made was going into a partnership with somebody that, you know, I didn't really know very well, if you will. Um, and that, that was that was really tough, but uh, I learned a lot, and that gave me the confidence to to know kind of what not to do. But uh, my biggest fear was uh, making sure I would make enough money, right? Uh, because when you don't have a full time job, when all you do is you know your business, uh, what if what if you don't get clients one week? What if you don't get clients one month? And very first year in business, this happened to me, and it continued happening for about ten years afterwards. Uh, when January January rolled around, uh, I had no income. I had literally zero income. And all of a sudden, you start dipping into your credit line and credit cards, you know, just to pay rent. And um, you start to worry that, okay, this sucks. Uh, what am I going to do now? And then you realize, well, that's the trend, right? That's the kind of business I'm in, where clients spend all their money before Christmas and they're not spending any money in the beginning of the year, right? And they're not spending any money until it gets nice and they want photos or portraits outside or outdoors or whatever have you. And um, this this was really, really long learning curve for me, a really big learning curve for me. Like it took me a while to actually be like, okay, well, I guess what I should do is start saving. So the biggest fear is is, is just having having enough to support, having enough to provide. Another, another struggle was um, that my competition was better than me. Um, I didn't want to necessarily, uh, compete. Like I just wanted to have clients. I didn't, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be good enough. Um, and really at the end of the day, the, the, the truth is that there's more than enough clients to go around and people who hire you are hiring you personally. They don't really care half the time how good your photos are, as long as you can provide a good product and for a reasonable price and, that they can be happy with really that's that's what it comes down to right so mm -hmm. <laughs> and and the thing is you, you just have to dive in um you know it's like when you when you go to the beach uh, and you kind of start walking into the water and you're like oh my gosh it's freaking cold what do i do and you're walking really slow and you're actually kind of struggling and your legs are seizing up you're frozen well you literally have to just run in and dive right in. It's going to be cold for two seconds, and then you're going to be like, "All right, this is great." <laughs> it's I could not use a different analogy, but because this philosophy rings true for anything, really. Um, if you listen to our podcast, you know, for the last thirty weeks now, um, you'll find out that we have a lot of great tools and tips that will help you build confidence and actually, um, like, the support network is there, right? Uh, and it will, will help you gain the confidence you need so that you can perhaps quit that full-time job or you yeah. can, you know, and you don't always have to quit. Like some people in this industry, like I'm not going to say that in order to be a professional photographer, you have to only do photography. Uh, you can do photography like semi-professionally on the side and you can be really good at it. What I would recommend is that you kind of, 
set your priorities. You know, if you want to do it full time, if you want to grow your business, then consider an exit strategy for your job. Uh, if all you want to do is be a weekend warrior, then by all means, just, you know, keep at it. Like I can't, I can't say anything negative about that, except, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up for your business not growing because you don't have the time to put into it. So very good. Anything else you want to add? Mm, No. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and that concludes our episode for today. And we're done. <laughs> um, um, so we did talk as well about how your clients don't know the difference between good and great. They don't know the difference between mediocre, good, and great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, do you want to take it from there? <laughs> the clients don't don't know because you have to kind of put yourself in their position. You didn't know when you started out either. Um, you only know because you got better, better at something, um, better, better. <laughs> I struggle yeah. with English language. Um, right. So it's, it's more important that the experience that you're giving your clients is good than the photos that you're giving your clients are spectacular exactly because at the end of the day they're hiring you not your photos Uh, i mean they're looking for quality product but you have to provide uh, a pleasant uh, environment for them that their experience is actually going to be shared with other people so like when we shoot weddings um, we always have the bride and groom come and thank us and say wow this didn't even feel like a photo shoot that was freaking amazing Mm -hmm. and i think i think that's great for them on their wedding day. And I think it works really well for us to get really quality photos. But I don't think it's something that they talk about to their, to the, you know, other potential clients. I don't think they go like, oh yeah, he was amazing. He, he made it feel like it wasn't a photo shoot. I think that they're so relaxed that at the end of the day, they're just like, yeah, it was great. Okay, let's move on. Let's yeah. go live our life. Yeah. But I'm happy with that because that means that they're going to pay my bills. They're going to recommend me if somebody asks and... I'm not going to have to worry about anything, right? But and I, and I'm happy because I have quality product that I don't need to edit. So there's there's definitely an upside to that. Uh, but if you if you become that rock star diva photographer that I keep referring to, and you're going to just basically put your nose up in the air and make people feel like they're privileged that you're photographing their wedding or their event or whatever have you you're going to quickly realize that the bad word about you spreads really fast. Even if you are an award-winning, best-in-class, top-of-the-line, top-of-the-notch photographer. Yep. What's it? I agree. Yeah. Do we have another question? Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we were asked about the competition up here. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's a couple things that you need to know about your competition. And one is that everyone is your competition. And the other is that no one is your competition. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So when you think about your competition, when you think about dropping your prices because your competition is so much cheaper than you, um, that shouldn't really be your gauge for prices. Mm You know, the portrait photographer around here who charges $200 for two hours of shooting and a disc of images is not my competition. Um, Anyone who's hiring that person 
doesn't see the value in what I do at the very most, but probably would not be willing to invest mm -hmm. the money that is required. Well, and the product is so um, much different, for right? My services. Yes, that is very true. Yeah. Um, not only the product, but again, the experience. I'm giving my clients so much more than a disk of images. <clears throat> what about you? Like, there are a lot of photographers around. Like, how do you deal with all the competition? I guess you differentiate yourself. Um, but how do you do that when, you know, everyone's already differentiated? <laughs> so you have to look at it from a different perspective. You're not a, you're not a commodity where in, in terms of, um, you're not a consumable that people need every day. So ask yourself, what makes you go to a certain gas station when you need gas to fill up, right? And 99.9% it, .9 of the time, you go to the certain gas station because it's the cheapest or it's the most convenient, right? So it's kind of 50-50. Mm -hmm. It's either... You either need gas and you drive uh, five minutes longer because you know gas is cheaper down down the road, or you stop at a gas station because you need uh, gas. You know your car's on empty and you're like, oh, light came on. Oh, look, there's a gas station. I'm gonna pull in and get gas. Yeah. Same same thing with uh, with milk. There's people who who you know consume a lot of milk and they're like, all right, it's um, three dollars ninety nine cents for four liters. Of, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh at this because I I bet we have some U.S. Uh, listeners who are like four liters. What is that? <laughs> that's all. That's a little more than a U.S. gallon. Um, and and in Ontario where we live, it comes in bags. It comes in three bags. You get four <laughs> liters of milk in three bags. Does not make sense. But yeah. It's awesome. Anyways, no. so same thing for people who consume a lot of milk. They go to the store either because it's the cheapest or because it's the most convenient. All right. Same thing applies to photography. You, you have to realize that there are two client, two types of clients out there. They either go to a photographer because it's the cheapest and they're willing to mm -hmm. travel or sacrifice a little bit more for it, or they go to a photographer because it's the most convenient. Now, there is the very... And photography is not like a consumable like milk or gasoline. Um, it is a little bit more subjective and people do have a choice. But at the end of the day... Your bread and butter, like the people who you're going to survive off of, are going to be the people who just call you because they found you in the yellow pages of today, which is Google or Facebook or whatever. All right. So, <clears throat> and you may get a client if you do happen to be sort of cheaper. So, if you want to take this uh, perspective, you know, take a look around your city. Maybe you live in a big city like London, where there's a gas station or even three or four or five gas stations on almost every corner and they're all in business they're all doing well they're because people are going to them because there's more than enough people who need the services so you have to be able to provide the service and you know ask yourself a question why do i choose certain trades or why do i choose certain vendors um, as a photographer or as a business you know for example if you choose a certain lab uh, why do you choose a certain lab to print your photos or make your albums? Is it because they're the cheapest or is it because they're most convenient or is it because they're the best? And at the end of the day, whatever makes you choose things is how you have to approach to set your business up for the client so that they can choose you. So if you feel that your brand offers great value for the money, um, you can position yourself as that, you know, not necessarily market yourself as I'm the cheapest photographer in the world. But, you yeah. know, you can say, look, we do this, this and this, and it only costs this much. 
and you'll get that client. Um, if you want it to be uh, an aspect of convenience, uh, well, what's convenient in the photography industry? Well, it's quick delivery, digital images, things like that. So you could position yourself that way. So find out what makes the customer tick, so to speak, and cater to them. That's that's how you deal with competition because competition is actually really good for you. If there was no competition um, in your area, there's a really good chance that people would actually start going out of your area. And for a brief moment, for some time, uh, we were doing a lot of work in Sarnia actually because some a couple of photographers stopped doing work and um, they moved to Toronto or whatever. And what happened was... This was before sort of the influx of photographers that just flooded the scene. Um, but there was only one or two names that people recognized and they just weren't happy with them. So they started they started going out. They started to look towards cities like London and we were willing to travel an hour to do a photo shoot. You know, we did. We started doing wedding shows in Sarnia. We started booking clients in Sarnia. Um, so... You can deal with your competition by catering to your client, the client, by catering to the client that you want, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, don't confuse what Petro was saying about being um, the most valuable or the most convenient for being the cheapest or the fastest. For example, I am not the cheapest, nor am I the fastest, but I provide my clients with great value Mm -hmm. And I like hold their hand through the entire process of having their photos taken and then hung in their home, for yeah. example. So, and that and that's exactly so, what, I'm t- what that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Find what makes your client happy and cater to them that way. And you know, yeah. if you don't have clients uh, yet, if you're working on that, put yourself in their shoes. Find what would make you as a client happy, and make sure you cater to yourself. So don't, don't look at it and be like, why isn't anybody hiring me? You know, I'm doing this. And, um, you know, and let's say if your market is really, really saturated with photographers who would offer, you know, free digital images with every photo shoot, you may need to, and, you know, and that's the only way to get booked because that's the client in your area. You may need to kind of consider that, right? I'm not necessarily. Or. Consider that you're not looking for a client in your area and go shoot exactly. somewhere else. <laughs> Absolutely. Or educate them and teach them how important physical prints mm-hmm. are. Change their mind. Um, that is an option. Yeah, all of it's, it's an option. Easiest, and that's and that's but, exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah. Is you have a choice. You you can either get the client who's shopping for the cheap gas, or get the client who's doing it out of convenience, or get the client who's really educated, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult to mm-hmm. compare photography to gasoline because at the end of the day, it's just, you know, you don't get anything out of it. It, it burns and it gets you places and, you know, starts yeah. really nice fires, but. <laughs> Side <laughs> so note, no. um, I put a lot of effort into educating my clients. We've talked about this on the episode, on episodes before, like with, um, <sighs> about mailing mm-hmm. lists and, um, posting content to your website. So I put, again, a lot of effort into educating my clients. Um, and I just sent out my, an email to my email list 
when this airs last week about, you know, putting your phone down, getting time away from Mm -hmm. your screen. And I haven't read it yet, but I have an email in my inbox from one of my clients saying, this was fantastic and incredibly well-timed as I haven't slept, dot, dot, dot. I haven't opened the email yet, so I'm going to leave it unread so I can remember to read it later. But yeah, um, you'd be surprised Mm -hmm. how far passively educating your clients can go. You're so right. Um, And... That's that. In the last episode, I mentioned that I want to get the client into my studio so I can talk to them. And when I'm talking to them, I'm educating them on the value and the principles and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just the emotional attachment people have to photographs. Right. I mean, I I always ask, um, like, do you have photos of your grandparents? And they're like, well, not really, not a lot. Or sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, because their grandparents are still alive and everything. Right. And I, I show them, not this doesn't come out for everybody, but I have this photo from 1907 um, of my family back in 1907 and like my great grandfather's in it. And it's so cool. There's like, it's a group of like seven or eight people. Um, I haven't looked at it recently. I don't even know who's in it. Yeah. But I go, this, I'm like, this is my most cherished photo because these are my ancestors. And I'm like, and I've never even met them. But I feel a cool connection. You know what they look like, it's, right? It's really, really cool. And I, and I imagine what they look like. And, and it's really funny because every time I look at it, I imagine that they saw the world in color, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> but, the, but the photo's black and white. And I'm kind of thinking like, what colors are in that room right now? What colors are they seeing? You know, like how, how does the world actually look? And it, it, it works. It connects with the client uh, because they, they, after I show this to them, after I tell them the story, they kind of go like, yeah, photos are really important. Yeah. We're definitely going to print these, you know, not just keep them on our hard drive. Um, and it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves is that people, when people hire photographers quite often, they just hire them because of the one, you know, their perceived value, but really they just, they're spending very little money. Um, what they're doing is they're just getting the lowest bidder and that lowest bidder is typically mm-hmm. a shoot and burner where they photograph yeah. the event, they photograph a family session and then they just give you the digital files and the digital files are, they're not even really edited well. Yeah, you know? to me. No, to me, that's just, to me, that's a waste of money because if that's what you want, if you want photos for your Facebook, take yeah, them on your iPhone. That's, that's socially acceptable. Take a selfie. You don't need a professional yep. to do that unless you completely suck at technology yep. and you can't, you know, figure something out or <laughs> Google how to. And that's, but I think, you know, I was going to say, and that's okay. I mean, if you, if you have a friend who's starting out and they just want to do, a session to practice and you use it as an opportunity to photograph your family, that is okay. And if you who's starting out just literally want to practice with somebody just to, to gain your confidence, to grow your um, body of work in terms of experience, not in terms of portfolio, um, and you photograph a family or a friend or a neighbor, you know, you do their family and then you just give them the digital files um, so they, they could use them as well. That's okay. I totally encourage that. But if you're going to offer a service, give give people a little bit more. Like, because at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're it's just a cash grab. You're just taking people's cash and moving on. Yep. On that emotional note, I think the next 
Yeah. Well, I think the next good place to go is we talked a little bit about branding. And so <clears throat> when you're starting out, something you need to know is that branding is not just your logo, um, your typeface, your mm -hmm. colors. Um, it is your target client. It is how you talk to your tar target client. So it's the words that you use to talk to that person. Um, <clears throat> it is how you behave at a wedding. Um, so if your branding is like mine, ridiculously happy people, I'm not going to go to a wedding and be a colossal jerk and boss people around and yell at them all angry. I do boss them around, but in a sarcastic way. People yeah, always absolutely. laugh. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess the alternative to that, if you're going to show up and act like a rock star, is you're, you have the really bold lettering and... I don't know. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> the, the proper image? I can't, I can't even think. Yeah. But it's not just your visual Absolutely. image, right? The, you are the brand. Um, the experience you provide for the person is your brand. Um, you know, when, when we talk about yep. uh, companies like um, UPS as a brand, right, you think a lot more than just brown and uh, square trucks, right? Um, there's a lot more to the brand. Um, the worldwide delivery and like actually finding yeah. your door <laughs> and not just showing up and then turning around and driving away and being like, I couldn't find it. Yeah, that, that, that's unfortunately <laughs> UPS. If you're listening. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, not UPS. UPS was always good at that. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. no, we're not going to get into it today. Pure leaders <laughs> is still my preferred one. <laughs> I just wish that the purelator guy would knock on the door, but it seems we we've have. solved that problem. Just uh, no signature right. required. No signature required, which is okay. great for, for a place <laughs> like yours because there's nobody around. Yes. But if I ship something to a client no one's in going an to steal it. apartment in Toronto, it's not happening. You know, yeah. they're not getting it. It's going to end up on someone else's yeah, wall. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, who's that I family? I don't know. Our but uh, I punched a hole in the wall and it's fit perfectly. <laughs> so. Yeah. So don't just like create a logo. I And you know what drives me nuts? This is like the signature logo. Oh my gosh. Especially when the signature logo is not even your signature and it's made mm -hmm. with a font. Um, it's pretty, but what does it mean? I see them all the time and I'm like, that's really gorgeous. But what does it mean? So yeah, think about your branding. Think about who your target client is and then cater to them. And you're, that's going to be a process. And it's, you know, when you're talking to your clients, it's from your very first mm -hmm. email with them, like to your very last email with them. Although you <laughs> shouldn't have a last email with them. It should be like, you but know, the truth is, relationship. the blah, truth blah, is blah. I have a lot of clients who <laughs> I have a last email with, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. That's, that's the industry. Uh, yeah. As much as I would love to yeah. continue offering them services un until they actually are ready for family photos. I'm not going to see them because they know we yeah. don't want their babies. They know we, we, we don't say <laughs> it like that, but I mean. This is why I always encourage them when they ask, do you shoot newborns? I go, no, but I do like the family. And then you get to hold your baby. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I have a different tone of voice. <laughs> I doubt it. That. It's exactly how you sound. 
<laughs> uh, too funny. Um, so uh, you, I'm really terrible on the phone. <laughs> My friend called me up the other day and I said, hello. And he goes, you always sound so angry when you answer the phone. I'm like, I don't like talking on the phone. <laughs> this is why I schedule calls so that uh, I call the client and I can intentionally sound perky. Um, side note. I got seven phone calls from a phone number yesterday that was blocked and I answered and it was like some dude with a really thick accent and I couldn't understand what he was saying and so I hung up. So this is, my phone lives on do not disturb so this number called twice. It went through the third time I answered it. Um, You're getting smart. Hung up on him. <laughs> they called back. Mm -hmm. They called back. They called back again. I answered it. Um, and I think the guy said something like, why did you hang up on me? I hung up on him again. And then they called back like three more times and I just ignored it while I was trying to find a way to block this number. But you can't because you can't see the number. And I was this close to calling Rogers and being like that last number that's called me seven times. Can you block can them? But um, they stopped calling. It was obviously a call center because mm -hmm. I could hear mm -hmm. someone else in the background. And I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And you <laughs> sort of sound do. like a jerk. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, he was kind of rude. And why would you call back? It was creepy um, that they called so many times. You know, times. half the time, uh, this is what I was told. Half the time, they're actually being watched by their supervisor or they're in training. Um, they're, if, when they're no longer in training and they're kind of on their own, they get to be rude and kind of call you names and, like, threaten you. Um it's true. And whenever, uh, whenever it's like, they're very persistent and you know, you're like, listen, dude, no means no, like move on. But they're, they're still persistent. It's usually because they're in training and they, they just have to show their supervisor that they can hack it, so to speak. Yeah, but they never call back. So this number called three hmm. times in a row to my phone number. I answered it hung up on them. They called back four more times. It's probably pure later trying times. to tell you you have a package. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was obviously not in Canada. The voices I heard in the background had the same accent. That's, that's incredible. What that, that's what drives saying. me crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm totally cool with, you know, people, people whose English is not the first language working in the industries. Um, I mean, I'm one For of those sure. people. Uh, uh, my first language is Ukrainian. My second language is Russian. And, you know, there's even another couple of languages that can sneak in between before I learned how to speak English. And I mean, I, I can't really use it as an excuse anymore. I've been in Canada for 25 years, almost next month. And, but I had to learn how to speak English from scratch, right? Like from, from nothing. I, I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, a lot of people who meet me, they're like, oh, I wouldn't even be able to tell. You don't even have an accent. Trust me. It comes out once in a blue moon. <laughs> um, yeah. Every once in a while you leave out like a little unimportant <laughs> word and I'm like, oh yeah. So, uh, but having said that, you know, if, if you're in a different country, like I'm not going to call, I'm not going to call Russia right now and try to sell something in Russian. Uh, I'm fluent. I can read. I can speak. I could write, but I'm just not going to do it because I'm going to sound like an idiot. Like my 
my Russian will have an accent now. <laughs> I'm a lot better in Ukrainian, but I still I don't have the confidence <laughs> to do that anymore, right? It's been 25 years since I spoke that full time. And even though my mom and dad speak that, I mean, we don't, you know, I, I'm still wouldn't do that. And I'm talking that I'm I'm very good at it. So these people who do not speak English at all, who are probably in like India or wherever, Pakistan, um, it blows my mind that, that they're hired by these third parties to solicit services. Now, well, this is these are like this was yeah. probably a scam for one thing. And I believe that the guy was fluent in <laughs> reading English off a piece of paper, but um, his right. accent was just so thick I couldn't understand the words <laughs> that were coming out of his That's mouth. That's awesome. So that was quite the so side note. Um, but I think we got in an important question, which was about retainers. So with a wedding, what do you charge for the retainer? And then the question was for... Uh, portrait session what do you charge for a retainer and to answer that question um i both petra and i sort of do the same thing i charge a 50 percent retainer for a wedding and the final 50 percent is due 10 days before the wedding so i am paid in full correct before i same show here. up to a wedding i don't show up to your wedding unless you pay um, me um <clears throat> there are exceptions to the rule i mean exactly some people just for whatever reason you know they just, they just want that. And uh, if I know them personally, I will make an exception to the rule. Um, yeah. If I, funny enough, though, if I don't know them personally, I will uh, put a hold on a credit card or something. You know, I'll tell them, look, I'll, I'll authorize your card. Mm -hmm. um, if I don't get paid within two weeks, I'm billing your card. Like, that's just, there's no ways, ways around it. And they're cool with that. People are like, yeah, that's fine. Yep. And half the time they're like, no, just build the credit card then. Okie dokie. And I know that credit yep. cards cost money, but you know what? I get paid and I'm happy about it. I go to sleep and I'm not worried about it. So um, now I do have to kind of clarify uh, <laughs> uh, the the student who asked about the retainer. She, she didn't really understand how retainers work. Um, yeah, exactly. So like with the portrait session, for example, I don't charge a retainer. Mm -hmm. I charge a sitting fee. And then I don't do portrait packages, so I charge like a $200 sitting fee. There's tax on that. And then I meet with the family afterward and choose the photos they're getting printed. Um, and they pay at that time for mm -hmm. the artwork. So it's not a retainer. It's they're paying the full sitting fee. Um, you can do it the same way as a wedding, for sure. But that's just not how I do it. So the retainer is part of um, part of the yeah. final payment or part of the package. Um, and it's meant to like confirm that date. So for example, we are not, um, confirming your wedding date until we are paid. That is like mm -hmm. your assurance that we're going to show up. That's our assurance that, you know, you're not going to bail mm -hmm. on us. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> um, no, Maybe it, you can explain that better than I can. I use mutual commitment. Words. That's that's the term I use. It's a mutual commitment between yeah. a photographer and a client. Uh, and when you when you say mutual commitment, they there's just all kinds of relaxations and like sighs of relief, like, ah, oh, you're committing to me. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> not literally, but Yeah. And the reason so we did talk a little bit about um 
how we charge the full amount before the wedding day. Um, and that freaks some people out. Um, I, I, you don't have to do that. I do know photographers who will charge half of it, um, half of the final package when they deliver the photos. That scares me a little bit because in those cases like those, people usually like to get the photos and look at them and approve them before mm -hmm. they pay the final amount, which drives me nuts because that doesn't happen with anything. Like you don't test out a barbecue and then no. pay for the barbecue. You, you buy the barbecue. With, you know, the 30, 60, 90 day return policies that some of the stores have. <laughs> Yes, but you are, by purchasing the barbecue, yeah. you're basically signing a contract with those stipulations in it. And the barbecue company is not losing anything by getting that yeah, barbecue absolutely. back, right? Well, Maybe it's a defective that's barbecue. Yeah. That's it's good that they're getting it back. We're yeah. not getting our time no, and, back. And if your time is defective, <laughs> um, if you really are, sucked at, at it, if you... Yeah. You know, if the client deserves to get their money back, that's a different story. There are going to be instances like that. Um, I've heard from photographers that they, well, they, they but... blatantly said they're like, you know what? I was having a bad day. I I forgot to put the memory card. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Sophia, um, this is a true story. I forgot, forgot to put the oh, memory yeah. card in my, in my that's camera. That's a problem. And I photographed about 400 images until I realized it wasn't in there. And then towards the end, I actually put it in and I only... I only photographed 70 more and that's it. It's like, well, mm -hmm. you suck. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So in cases like if, if you lose the images, for example, they're corrupt or whatever, yep. give the money back. Um, the only time you're going to go to court and have to pay people their money back is if you misrepresented yourself. Um, so for example, if... You, there were like horrible circumstances at a wedding, like the weather was terrible, the lighting was absolutely horrible, and you suffered through it, and you still produced images, and you gave the couple an album. They have their wedding photos in their hands, and they just don't like how they look because they're not the outdoor ceremony that they had dreamed of. This is why you have a clause in your contract that says due to weather and cooperation of subjects, I can't guarantee that your photos will look exactly how you expect you know write a nice little clause in there um but like any judge will look at that or mediator and be like no they did not rep misrepresent themselves um you could run into issues if you're a terrible person and none of the photos on your website are yours <laughs> and you you show other photographers photos and show them as your own and then go and shoot weddings and deliver crap then yeah, you'll probably absolutely. have to give money back. <laughs> that, that, that's misrepresentation. I mean, you, um, you deserve but, to lose the money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But if your clients are signing a contract with you paying this retainer, um, they know what they're getting. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I have watched a lot of Judge Judy. I really like that show. And there have been a couple episodes where it's like a photographer delivered the photos and the couple was like, we want all of our money back. And she's like, yeah. You yeah. got your photos. You asked. You what did you, you expect? <laughs> no, it's funny. Yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen more yeah, than so two I, episodes of a show like, like I was that. trying, to... and one of them happened to be a male judge. I don't really know what his name was, um, but um, mm -hmm. it was uh, a couple, like two females, uh, not like a couple, couple, but like a, a partnership, um, 
who were running a right. photography business, I believe, and they were getting their photos printed at Walmart uh, for their for their clients. And mm. um, basically, the client hired them, paid them four hundred dollars U.S. And I believe that they even like saw them at Walmart getting the photos printed. And these photos were just terrible. So they were posed poorly, exposed poorly and everything. Mm -hmm. And so the judge was actually like, these suck. <laughs> you go give them the money back. You don't print photos at Walmart for your clients. You print them at a professional lab. And then the judge goes, uh, yeah. what camera are you using? And uh, they said like some kind of like brand of camera. And he's like, what? You should be using a digital SLR. <laughs> it's so funny. It was kind of, it was an interesting show. It, um, it seemed a little Yeah, scripted. like I kind of get that. But at the same time, like, you pay. Yeah. At, at the yeah, same time, though, exactly. like you paid $400 for wedding photos. You're not getting, well, your photos are not right? being printed at Petro's. That's, um, but yeah. But to answer so, the question about the retainer, the retainer <laughs> I, is there I charge, um, for, for yeah. two reasons I charge a retainer. One, because it makes the contract valid. Uh, as soon as you exchange money with your client, mm -hmm. it validates the contract. And so you can move forward by collecting future monies and, you know, outlining the services that you owe the client. Second, um, I pay people in advance as well. So when I hire a second photographer, I give them money for that day because that's my commitment to them. So we actually signed a, a second shooter agreement and I pay them right away as soon as they sign it again, to validate that contract and to compensate them for the time they're going to spend so that they guarantee their time to me. So I don't want to be out of pocket on that. I want to take yeah. your retainer money and pay, pay yeah. the people from there. So, Yeah. As for charging the full amount before the wedding, um, if you represent yourself professionally and confidently, Probably no one is going to give you any trouble about charging the full amount before the wedding. I have had clients ask why I do that. And I tell them, so mm -hmm. I show up like you're paying for my time. Um, and they go, oh, okay. I had one groom text me before signing the contract asking why. And he got a little bit cranky about it. And he <laughs> goes, well, I'm a contractor and we get paid after the job is done. And, um, I just, I explained it to him and then his bride texted me and she's like, don't worry about him. That's We're still awesome. signing the contract. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I get really annoyed when like men try to um, educate me on how my business yeah, works. You. I would too. Like, <laughs> drives yeah, me a little I nuts. would too. <laughs> Specifically men who are not photographers, <laughs> by the <funny>. way. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, and insurance. We're talking about insurance already? Very <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yes. that was the last question, I think, insurance. So uh, let me just uh, say this, get this. Get it. I honestly, I don't. No, I just want to get this off my chest. Yes, go ahead. Um, especially if you're in mm -hmm. the U.S., get yourself insurance. But if you're in Canada, get yourself insurance. You should not be operating a business without insurance. Like, Cover yourself. I know way too many people who have families, who have children, who have mortgages, who have car loans, who just, who run the business as a sole proprietor and they do not insure themselves. Forget the camera. Like seriously, forget mm -hmm. it. What if you decided to 
drive the bride and groom uh, down to the water um, because it's a beautiful outdoor wedding. And you're like, oh, I have a great idea. You guys can just hop in the car with me. And so they do. They hop in the car with you and you're driving. And all of a sudden, you know, you go on the beach or something and something happens. Some collision, accident, maybe nothing too serious. But whatever happens, your car insurance isn't going to cover it because you're you're now working in your vehicle and you more than likely didn't insure your vehicle as a work vehicle Mm -hmm. and nor are they going to cover any damages or liability to the bride and groom uh, if they got hurt because it's not their problem right Uh, they don't that's not their job their job isn't to protect (laughs) you their job is to make money unfortunately so you know consider issues like that one of the reasons why i never have unless i know these people personally I never have bride and groom ever get in a vehicle with me and I don't ever get in a vehicle with them. Just my call it paranoia. Just, I don't do that. If, if we're now, mind you, my contract kind of covers that anyways, but I just don't want to be anywhere with them. I just want to take my own car, even though I have insurance. So moving on any sort of liability that you are responsible for, uh, as a professional, cover yourself for that. Like you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to lose your house. Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose your livelihood. You don't want to go to jail, (laughs) you know, cover yourself. It's so inexpensive. Um, as any photographer will tell you, who's been doing, who's been in business for a long time. The reason why they charge a certain amount of money because of overhead and overhead includes things like your Adobe cloud uh, subscription, your, um, uh, professional fees in terms of, you know, maybe memberships or this or that, but it also includes things like insurance. So spend the money, get yourself a really good insurance. Now, a million dollar liability is more than enough. Some people are recommending two million now, but you need liability insurance. Even if you don't have a physical location, get yourself liability insurance. Tell the broker what you're doing with your business, and you will be thanking me later. Trust me. Um, but it's also a write-off, right? Like put it against your income and, you know, get some money back as a result. Yeah. So. That's it. I got to yeah. be done. Okay. Now. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, need a nap. <laughs> lastly, what, um, what I wanted to say about insurance is uh, shop around. Just. There are different uh, different companies uh, approach professional yep. insurance differently. Some of them see it as a nuisance and they have to provide it. Some of them see it as a service. Um, I was paying $500 per year more with another company that I was with before I got to be with the company I am with now. Um, and um, yeah, shop around. Call a couple of brokers, uh, ask questions and tell them, tell them up front. Don't hide anything because... Trust me, peace of mind is, is well worth it. Lastly, uh, there was a question, uh, it was kind of a sub-question about how do you know what to charge? And this, you know what, this is not something we're going to get into too much. Oh, right. Um, we'll have an episode on well, that, we'll yeah. We'll have but, episodes uh, just to <laughs> Just as a prequel to the episode, um, wh- what I want to say about it is uh, consider the fact that uh, to do businesses, you have to spend money. Um, there's overhead, you know, cost of doing business. And in that overhead, you have to add, uh, your worth, uh, your time, how much you want to make, how much you want to, your income. Yeah. yeah. 
your income. Yeah. So when what you charge $3,000 for a wedding, that's not your income. <laughs> that's just how much it costs for the client to pay you for the wedding. What you need to figure out is how much of that needs to go to pay rent, to pay for your equipment, to pay for your insurance, to pay for your Adobe Cloud subscription, to pay for your laptop, to pay for your everything and you know then add a hourly wage to that and then uh, add a little bit of a profit margin too because let's face it next time you want to uh, expand or if you need to do anything or even if you wanted to hold a gallery once a year to showcase your work you know depending on the type of photographer you are you need to have the resources for that so um Something to look forward to in the future episode. We'll put put something together for you about uh, how much are you worth and how much should you charge. And uh, we'd like to hear some questions and some feedback about that. But uh, that's it for us. Sophia is now asleep uh, as she is tired. And um, yeah. if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and uh, join the community and uh, the conversation on Facebook on the Double Expo- Exposure Double Exposure Show Group. <laughs> you can find the show notes for this episode on the doubleexposure.show website by going to doubleexposure.show slash episode slash 31. Again, if you do love this show, tell us. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And you even get to have your name mentioned on the next episode. Um, and as always, uh, thank you, Benjamin yeah. Edward, for our beautiful artwork. Uh, it's winning and melting our hearts every time. And Ben Sound for providing Ooh. our amazing soundtrack. And ourselves for providing an amazing soundtrack to your day. <laughs> I just had to squeeze that in there. <laughs> thank you to me. Thank you, me. Yeah, that, <laughs> can't wait to get feedback about that. <laughs> five stars for Petra having a big head so but um, yeah, we yeah. look forward to talking at you next week thanks for coming out Bye.